Hello, everyone, and welcome to All I Know Is This, a podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. I am really excited to be starting season two of our podcast today, and I am delighted to welcome as my guest one of the first people I ever met from First Presbyterian Church, um, Margaret Nimmo Holland. Uh, Margaret was a member of the Pastor Nominating Committee, so uh, I got to know Margaret and um, the other church members on that committee um, as we were discerning this call together, and um, I had more than one member of the PNC say to me out of Margaret's hearing, Margaret is doing incredible work in our community, and indeed she has and she is. And um, I think that some of the work that Margaret has done and the experiences she has are going to be really helpful as we begin this new series about how to have good faith conversations with one another, even when um, we're talking about some of the things that we may not agree on. So Margaret, welcome. I'm really grateful that you're here today and um, would love for you just to tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe even about your history with First Presbyterian. Sure. Thanks, Amy. It's great to be here. I have been a member of First Presbyterian almost my entire life. Um, my parents uh, are members, Roselaine and Ian Nimmo. And when we were transferred here from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, we, um, we joined First Pres. We came to visit at the suggestion of our next door neighbors and loved it. And so I have been here just about ever since. That's great, Margaret. And I've loved getting to know your parents and um, the rest of your family, your daughter, Abby, and husband, Robert, too, since um, coming here to the church about 18 months ago. Um, and I know since I've come to the church, you've actually changed jobs and um, are doing slightly different work now, but maybe you can tell us about um, the work you you were doing um, and then and then where you are now. Sure. Well, I have been in the nonprofit sector in Richmond my pretty much my entire career, um, but I worked for 16 years for Voices for Virginia's Children, which is a statewide nonprofit child advocacy organization. So we were a, a small but mighty group who represented the interest of children uh, at the General Assembly and in other state government settings to try to make sure that kids were considered um, when laws were crafted or budgets were passed or state regulations, sort of all the minutiae mm -hmm. of state government that actually trickles down to the local level and even to nonprofits uh, who contract with government to provide services. So we advocated on early childhood education. We advocated on mental health and health issues, um, foster care, uh, issues around families in poverty. So did that for a very long time and then uh, decided that I wanted to look at um, some of those same issues, but from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. So last fall, I moved to Lutheran Family Services of Virginia, which is a statewide direct service organization that provides supports and services to adults with developmental disabilities, provides uh, foster care services. We have seven schools in Southwest Virginia mm -hmm. uh, where we provide services to and education for children who have um, some additional needs mm -hmm. in terms of learning and behaviors. And we also have uh, counseling services and we've opened up into a new area for us, which is immigration and refugee services. Wow. Um, so we help unaccompanied minors um, find 
sponsor families or get reunited with their family when they come to the United States. So we do a wide variety of things yeah. and I'm learning something new every day, which I love, um, but still tackling some of the same issues. My job is the VP of external relations. So a lot of what I do has to do with communications. Uh-huh. So we have a very um, exciting uh and, and challenge during the pandemic and not being in person with people mm-hmm. of communicating that we are rebranding. So wow. in a few weeks, um, we will actually be in circle. That'll be the new name of your organization. New name. Yes. Wow. That's great. So um, we're, we're really trying to show that we are, um, while we're very proud and grateful for our Lutheran heritage mm-hmm. as an organization and the connections we still have to the church, um, we serve everyone. Uh, we employ everyone. So we want to make sure that we have a name that uh, conveys that inclusivity that we're open to all. Well, that's great. And um, it just sounds like you've done and continue to do incredibly important work for uh, people who um, don't always have a voice for themselves. And um, it, it is one of the reasons that I thought um, it would be so great to talk to you and to start off this new podcast season where we're talking about having um difficult conversations uh, with people. And um, our first scripture that we're going to hear a sermon on actually this Sunday, this one is Jesus talking to the disciples. And um, it's a a snippet from a really long monologue where he's um, in the Gospel of John, the last night of his life. I I feel like he's just trying to give them everything he possibly can before his uh, death. One of the things he does is to say that the, um, well, the scripture says, I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth. So he's talking about the fact that he's going to send um, the Holy Spirit. But I love this word that is used for the Holy Spirit here, advocate, especially thinking about entering into conversations and the the role of the Holy Spirit when we're trying to have difficult conversations and um, how the Spirit draws alongside as an advocate and a helper. And I feel like that in the work that you've done, you know a lot about what it means to advocate for people who may not have a strong voice for themselves. I would love to hear just what you have learned from doing the work you do uh, about talking to people about these kinds of topics, advocating for others. And I know, um, particularly when you did so much work at the General Assembly, you worked with people all across the political spectrum. Yeah. So I, I'm curious to know what you have learned from that, from about what we're thinking of and calling good faith conversations. To me, one of the most important things about being an advocate is being a good listener. And so I had the advantage, I would say, when I started at Voices that I was, um, I was tasked with advocating on children's mental health issues, and that was a new issue for our organization. And so I started by reading a lot and researching a lot and going on a listening tour around the state. And I listened to parents and grandparents and uh, counselors in the community service board system and teachers and all kinds of people who had firsthand experience of the problems or the challenges we were trying to solve at a policy level. And so to me, that's one of the most important things in a, in a good faith conversation and in being a good advocate is that you listen to the people who are closest to the problem you're trying to solve mm. and you listen 
as much as possible with an open mind so that you're not going in thinking I have the solution in my head. Mm -hmm. Um, and that can be tricky the longer you do it because you think, you know, something about it Yeah, and you might, but there's always something new to learn. And if you're not the one having the firsthand experience of the Mm -hmm. challenge, you, you really need to go in with, um, beginner's mind, Uh that open mind of, uh, I'm going to really listen to what this person is saying before I come in with my solution or, or what I think will solve their problem. Mm-hmm. Well, and it seems to me that kind of um, posture maybe is a word for it of how we enter into conversations. I mean, you talked about sort of a beginner's mind, an open mind, and the importance of listening um, and I, I really appreciate here that that Jesus, you know, names the spirit as the advocate, but then also calls it the spirit of truth. And I would think in the kind of work that you did, it's so important to kind of find, okay, um, what's the reality here of what we're really talking about? Yes. Because how can you even begin to address, to meaningfully address these issues if there isn't sort of a um, shared understanding of what the problem is. Right. And, and I found that that was often um, what our role was as advocates. Um, people, we were in fact registered lobbyists mm-hmm. um, and lobbyists get a bad rap and sometimes <laughs> for good reason. Um, but um, we were not the whining and dining type. We were the, the educating type. And mm-hmm. so um, what, what we had, the, the power that we had was really information, um, both, you know, sort of the data about how kids were doing on a particular issue, but also those personal stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you really need a con- conversation. Um, we would frequently talk about legislating by anecdote, which is <laughs> not necessarily the, the right way to go, but it is important to have data. So you're realizing the scope of whatever the problem is, but you're also having that heartfelt conversation, the tr- someone's truth of what this actually means, because mm-hmm. it's very easy to think about a policy issue sort of as an abstract thing. Oh, and there are people and there are tens of thousands who are affected by it. And, and it becomes very impersonal. Right. Um, but when you talk to a family who's struggling and has a six month wait to get their child in to see a psychiatrist, it's not really abstract anymore. Yeah. Our job as advocates was to, uh, to listen, to sort of sift through the information, mm-hmm. figure out what about the situations we were hearing about, um, really had a policy solution Mm -hmm. and then lifting all of that information to those who are in a position of power to, to make a decision about it and always trying to equip the people affected Mm -hmm. to be able to take actions themselves. Mm, So I think it's, um, it's a really, uh, it's sort of a delicate balance because you don't want to sound like the professional advocate who knows, um, more than the person affected by it. But what you do know is the process and how it works and the people involved. And so hopefully you can share enough of that so that people affected by the problems can feel empowered Mm -hmm. to share the part of their story that, that is relevant to the situation. And I think to me, that was what was the most impactful was seeing someone share their story in a way that, that a legislator or another policymaker could hear and, mm-hmm. and you could see sort of a light bulb going off and it changed their thinking. Yeah, yeah. That, um, that sort of aha moment where suddenly things click into place that we may not have understood before. And the value of hearing somebody's 
story and helping it to become real. Because I think you're so right that there's an there's so much abstract, you know, statistics and data that gets thrown around. But um, sometimes we need it to sort of be in um, enfleshed in a way in, in real life. The relationships are key. Yeah, well, and I really appreciate that as part of this idea of good faith conversations, because especially when we consider how we talk to one another about things that we might not agree on, having some baseline of relationship is actually really important because it's going to provide that sort of safety net of trust and respect Mm -hmm. that you just talked about. And I can imagine that whether it's you know, someone who's in a lobbying position with a um, a member of the General Assembly, or whether it's family members who are really far apart about a particular um, issue, uh, finding ways to be able to come back to the conversation. Um, I hear people talk about that this is one of the things that feels so challenging right now is is just the 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 fear or the other hurdles that get put up um, around having conversations. And it might be safer not to have it, but that it also doesn't always feel right because it feels like um, then, and from, you know, from the kind of work you did, that wasn't really an option, right? you got to get back. <laughs> yes. To well, the and, and... and it's hard to do when, when you are emotionally attached to what you're talking about. Yeah. So obviously in a family situation, right. all kinds of dynamics. And so, um, you know, it's, it's on some levels easier in a professional setting, mm-hmm. I think to, mm-hmm. to come with that open mind, but at the same time, if you really care about what you're advocating for and you have spent hours and hours listening to, to people's stories and the impact, the terrible impact that something's having on their children, it's hard not to, to get sort of emotionally affected by that and feel really passionate about what you're advocating for. I do think it's one of the reasons that talking about how we have these conversations is really important right now, because, um, you know, I think it, it feels so, uh, things feel so polarized right now. And in some ways they always do in an an election year, especially presidential election year. But, um, for me, it's so important that the church is a place where people can come and they don't have to agree about everything about politics or about, you know, really about anything. Um, You know, I was in a Bible study yesterday and uh, Wilson Kennedy, a member of our pastoral staff was there and I sort of presented, Oh, here's what I think's going on here. And then he was like, actually, I have a really different take on this. passage, (laughs) And I think that's great. It's good for people to see that, you know, and, and, um, and we certainly don't have to see everything the same way. What I feel really strongly about is that we do still need to be able to talk to each other with love and respect and that that is so important. And I do just want to give a little plug because one of the things we're inviting people to um, do this fall as a part of this series is to read a book that's called uh, I Think You're Wrong, But I'm Still Listening. And Ah. uh, these are two authors across the political aisle from each other who have... um, been in conversation with one another for several years now about all things political and have really developed what they call um, grace-filled 
conversations ah. about politics. Um, and I think it has a lot of great things to offer us as an easy read. And um, But it is kind of also another reminder of like, we actually all want things to be better, right? I mean, politicians on both sides of the aisle, they care about children and they want they to. Yeah, they do. <laughs> um, so I, I, do, I would love to know if there's anything, you know, you can share that you sort of learned, especially working with people across the political spectrum. Um, well, I think um, that on, in a way that was the great thing about being a child advocate is nobody's like going to come out against children. Right. Um, and that's true. However, um, how we get to the outcomes we all want for kids is very different. Mm -hmm. um, we, people have very different ideas about that. And so because we were a multi-issue organization, and so one day I might be talking to someone about mental health care and another about foster care um, and another about schools, there was usually, even with the most difficult people, some point of connection. Mm -hmm. So trying to find that out, and that's where that relationship piece comes in. Mm -hmm. Um, so for whatever reason, someone might be sort of philosophically opposed to X, but on Y, gosh, that one actually affects their grandchild. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so, you know, you, um, you, and you don't know those things until you get to know people a right. little bit right? and remain open that just because we couldn't see eye to eye on this doesn't mean we will never see eye to eye on anything. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's important. The other thing that about the the Holy Spirit, I think being the spirit of truth is that it is your job as an advocate to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And that sounds like, well, duh, but really, even in the face of someone disagreeing or presenting you with something that you know is, is not quite accurate, mm -hmm. um, you got to stand up for it and say, we may not agree on this, but, but here's the truth I've heard from right. the people who are experiencing this problem. And I'm going to keep having to lift that up to you in a respectful way. But what we're doing right now is not okay. Like the policy that we have is not okay. And so I'm going to have to keep telling you the truth about it. <laughs> right. Um, and we may never see eye to eye, but it's my job to keep bringing it forward. Yeah. Well, and that gets to the other scripture that I'm sort of putting these two scriptures in conversation with one another. There's Jesus saying, I'm going to send the spirit to you to yeah. help you in these um, encounters. But also in the gospel of Matthew, um, there's a little snippet that Jesus gives us about how to um, how to work with somebody who um, disagrees or the way he says it is if a, if another person sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. And I think you know part of what I take from that is just what you're talking about. It's you know when something happens with someone and it has hurt you in some way or frustrated you or um, that that actually what Jesus is saying is get closer, not further away. Don't go tell everybody else about how that person, you know, uh, frustrated you. Um, lean into the relationship and you might discover something that allows for um, healing and, um, you know, openness. So, and I think it is, I mean, in my experience, it's only the Holy Spirit that can help us to do that because it really goes against <laughs> it does. Uh, what we want to do usually. It does. And I think, um, you know, there, there are different thoughts about how to be an effective advocate. Mm -hmm. um, and, and for my personality, um, I think that that relationship based um, rather than the um, this legislator did something or this person in, in the executive branch of state government took this action that we think is terrible. 
there are some folks who are like, and we're going to the newspaper. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So that is a tool in your toolbox. Um, but for me, I would much rather go to the person and, and see what's up um, and try to understand why they did that. I may still hate it and I may eventually go to the newspaper. Uh-huh. But it's that whole thing of, you know, what's behind it? Let's lean into the relationship. Let's learn more information yeah. and then I'll know more about what to do. So I, I don't think it's necessarily about calling people out and embarrassing people mm-hmm. um, because then you're not, you're not in a posture where the person's listening anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, interestingly, that's sort of exactly Jesus offers the disciples sort of these stages, like first go to the person directly. And if they listen, great, like something's going to shift. If they didn't listen, call another person in and yeah. have a, a third party there to kind of help with that conversation. And then if that doesn't work, you go even broader and you go to the whole, uh, he's talking about within the church here, but um, I guess that's when you like go to the newspaper maybe. <laughs> well, you know, there's several steps before that. Probably a lot of steps in between. And and it's good for us to, to think through all of that. Well, I, I mean, this is just so great to hear from you, Margaret, and your experiences are really um Amazing. And I'm so grateful for all the work you've done and you're still doing. Um, before we wrap up, I um, would love to hear kind of what are the difficult conversations you find yourself having these days? I would say one of the things that we are facing at uh, Lutheran Family Services, soon to be in circle, one is actually around the entire concept of rebranding mm-hmm. and removing Lutheran from our name. Yeah. And Virginia has a a strong Lutheran tradition, but statistically, not a lot of Lutherans in the state. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of confusion around um, what that means, you know, for people who are not Christian um, or not people of faith at all. Mm -hmm. It's, I think that's been a really difficult conversation to have Mm -hmm. um, with the, the Lutheran church, although we have um, half of our board is Lutheran. And so this has been a conversation and decision of many years mm-hmm. uh, in the making. And so um, the relationships are the basis of that and having conversations with pastors throughout the state about why we're doing it and how we are not distancing ourselves from the church, right. but we're trying to make sure that people actually look further and that they don't have confusion when they first see our name and then don't apply for the job or don't right. decide to have their loved ones seek services here whatever it may be that yes, we'll be happy to tell you all about our Lutheran connections and our Lutheran history, but I want to get to know, you know, I want to have the chance to meet you so that I can tell you that. Mm -hmm. Um, So those have been some challenging conversations, but for the most part positive, but Uh the other piece, I would say conversations we're all having around racial justice Mm -hmm. and systemic racism Mm -hmm. and how that's baked in everywhere um, through all kinds of institutions as a, historically Lutheran organization. We are not very diverse at the top leadership of our organization. And Mm -hmm. that's something that we've been working on for a while, um, starting at the board level, but certainly figuring out how to address that on multiple levels Mm -hmm. within our organization is a big part of what we are doing these days. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, those are not easy conversations. I'm (laughs) grateful that you're having them and they both seem like they, um, they're the right conversations to be having right now for, for your organization. And um, my hope is that, that throughout this series and 
from um, our other guests that we'll be having on the podcast that that we're all going to get better and better at leaning into um, these hard conversations. And mostly that right out of the gate, we can trust that the spirit has been gifted to us for um, for for just these kinds of situations where uh, we're called to whether it's advocating for others or entering in with uh open mind and and really ready to listen. You've given us a lot to think about today and and I'm I'm really grateful. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for the work that you do and um, for being a part of First Presbyterian. Well, I'm I'm grateful to be part of this conversation and I'll just, I'll leave you with my tried and true. I, I developed the habit of whenever I was going to a podium to speak, which I used to be really nervous about. Mm -hmm. And so uh, this is part of what got me through. But even then, when you don't know how what you have to advocate about or what you have to say is going to be received in a given conversation, having a prayer Mm -hmm. uh, in your head that what you say will, you know, be to God's purpose, however Mm -hmm. it works out. Mm -hmm. Never a bad idea. Never a bad idea at all. Prayer is always a great way to enter into these conversations. Um, So thank you for that. And uh, thank you for listening to all of our listeners. We'll be back each week throughout this season um, with new interviews and new people to talk to. And in the meantime, uh, my hope and prayer is that we can all keep talking to each other, uh, leaning into the gift of, of the Holy Spirit to have these good faith conversations Uh, trusting that we're all held in the love and grace of God as we do so. So we'll uh, be back with you soon. Thanks for listening.